the glory days are here to say the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory lane, it's time to start the show. The gory days, the gory days, the gory days, the gory days. The show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies from the 1980s and beyond. And this is it, American Horror Story 1984, the season finale, Final Girl. Oh, what a long, weird, winding road it's been. A few... Nine, nine weeks ago. Uh, I didn't just stutter right there. I meant nigh, N-I-G-H, nigh. Nigh on nine. It was exactly nine weeks ago that I embarked on this. uh, Forced by my own hand, maybe, to cover American Horror Story 1984 because it falls right into my uh, podcast wheelhouse. And now here we are nine weeks later, and we're at the last episode. The finale just finished, and... (laughs) I have thoughts on this, and maybe you agree or maybe you disagree. I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, on Instagram or Twitter at the gory days, but uh, let's just get started. The sooner we get started, the sooner we can get this over with, with what the hell just happened. So it's 2019. No, not just in real life, silly, in the TV show too. It's 2019. And uh, you know what? Forgive me. I'm... I never set out to know who the other actors are playing in past seasons or even most of their names. All I know are the ones that aren't here, like Evan Peters and Jessica Lange and uh, Sarah Paulson, except everybody knows Sarah Paulson now. She was in Glass, for God's sake. She's on top of the world. (laughs) Um, So I don't remember his name, but it's Dandy. It's Dandy from uh, American Horror Story Freak Show. You know, that season that I actually watched and retained most of. Uh, The same actor that played Dandy in that season is uh, here as we learn. Bobby Richter. He's all grown up. What? Yes, time. It has been like 30 years since... uh, the events of 19 well 1989 obviously math but um basically we learned that bobby richter is here he's 30 years old montana hugs him and uh it's a fun framing device uh you know you see this a lot uh in all kinds of narrative like i said it's framing device to set up oh obviously whatever events happened in the past worked out because here we are with our characters uh here in the quote-unquote present, as our uh, narrative is shifting to. In this case, Montana and Trevor are the narrators here, telling us what happened with the festival. Uh, When Bobby showed up, we saw some stuff like that looked like the festival maybe happened, or it was a travesty. Um, (laughs) uh, Oh, that'd be funny if it was a Trevor-sty, but (laughs) I digress. The Halloween 1989 festival unfortunately didn't happen because Trevor turned everybody away because he heard that Kaja Gugu died uh, from the Night Stalker and Courtney gets shot in the head by Margaret Booth once uh, he confesses that little uh, nugget that he told Trevor Kaja Gugu died. Bang! Courtney dead right through the head. And then we see that 
Trevor, I'm, I mean, I'm just going to race through this. If you watch the final uh, episode, fantastic. But if you didn't, I'm just getting, I'm just going to give you like the uh, important beats that I want to note. And if I skip stuff, I skip stuff. Uh, it'll be more, it'll be more fun and free that way. I won't feel constrained to get, oh, I got to make sure that whoever's listening to this who hasn't seen the episode can follow along like this is going to be evergreen. I can't imagine people are going to come back to this episode in uh, 10 years once I've done this podcast for 12 years. <laughs> hey, hey, Kyle, from 12 years, are you still doing the gory days? That's re-do-do-diculous. Um, but uh, anyway, here I go. Trevor gets shot in the leg and then the gut and then the dick by Ma- uh, Margaret Booth. And then he crawls his way back to Camp Redwood, eventually with the help of uh, Brooke, who happens upon the scene. Uh, Brooke, uh, Montana says, why did you help me? And Brooke says, because I'm not like you. And Montana tells us in so many words that this one act changed Montana forever and set her down this path of redemption to uh, eventually overcome all of the evil that she's put out in the world by uh, seducing the Night Stalker and then turning him onto a life of uh, (laughs) evisceration. But she's going to redeem herself all because Brooke, even Brooke, the person that she wanted dead more than anybody, the person who... uh, Montana had all this ire because Brooke... from her perspective, slept with her brother and got him killed for it because she was a slat. But after all of that, after all of that misplaced hatred for her, Brooke still forgives Montana and spares her and not even spares her, helps her, helps Trevor get over to the, the border in Camp Redwood so that they can be together forever. Really nice of Brooke. Maybe that's her uh, her redemption. Because uh, I was thinking about it as we move on a little bit. I'll just, I mean, I'll say it now that uh, Brooke kind of fails in her uh, attempt to kill Margaret Booth. But maybe her redemption is in forgiving Montana uh, in that moment. Cool. Anyway, Trevor kills Bruce because we learned that the ghosts became a community of shared ghostliness. And uh, they all agreed it was Margaret's bloodlust we needed to end. So they take care of Bruce by uh, hitting with a machete, and he rolls off camp property into public land. And then the Night Stalker, uh, it's pretty great. Montana lures him with uh, Billy Idol. <laughs> he, uh, he gets lured with Billy, uh, the promise of Billy Idol. And then all of them, starting with Montana, uh, stab the Night Stalker to death. Montana screams, this is my redemption, dickwad. I'm going to be the one to end you. And the Council of the Dead, all of the ghosts there, who I'm affectionately referring to as the Council of the Dead, stab the Night Stalker to death, starting with Jonas, who says, you're not supposed to be here. (laughs) Which harkens back to, uh, I think, maybe his first line to the Night Stalker when he shows up at camp. Uh, he says, you're not supposed to be here, and then he gets killed right at that moment, so it was really funny to hear him say, like, oh, that's all he could say, basically. Even though he said stuff before, it was just funny to hear him say that again. And then they explain that since Satan can essentially resurrect the Night Stalker ad nauseum, for lack of a better word, they have to kill him over and over again, and so that's what they've been doing for the last 30 years. They say, we took up the mantle of protecting you and saving your life. Uh, which has taken the form of killing the Night Stalker every time he gets close to being resurrected. 
and it's a really cool montage where we get to see some of those these people who have been killed by the Night Stalker get their revenge. A lot of, uh, I mean, it's the last episode. They had to set a lot of this up, but man, I know I said it before a long time ago, but they finally did it. They finally killed the Night Stalker, and I, they do it over and over and over for 30 years. I can't think of a better way to punish this monster. Who? I mean, like, I, I was on team Night Stalker is a absolute monster and deserves to uh, be killed in the most horrible imaginable way before it was established that he was killing children and old people uh, off screen. So uh, th- this was fantastic to see him uh, stabbed and broken and stabbed in the head and killed a whole bunch of times. Ugh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I feel weird about that one because he is a real person and he did cause a lot of horribleness and put out a lot of evil in the world. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm just, I'm gonna be in, in in the park of. I'm glad he suffered. I feel weird about it, but I'm glad the character, the Night Stalker, and hopefully the the real person. Ah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. They stab him to death. They've been doing that for thirty years. And Chef Birdie and Chet, it's, oh, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Chef Birdie is beautiful, and Chet deserves uh, whoever he can get, because apparently he's a, quote, equal opportunity lover. I knew it. I knew Chet was gay, or at least <laughs> swung all ways. It's the weirdest thing. She's, she's, Chef Birdie's putting the moves on Chet, and she says, it's not like I don't know you sl- uh, swing both ways. And he says, why would you say that? Why indeed, Birdie? You are a woman. What? What is it? You swing both ways. What are you? <laughs> if, if you're assuming he's already straight, then why? Why would you say that? Why would you say that? <laughs> I'm exactly uh, on Chet's side when he says that. But it's a really funny situation because this is kind of like a subversion of the horny counselors being too negligent because they're having sex or they're making out or they're canoodling. In this case, instead of getting somebody killed, it results in the exact opposite. It results in somebody getting resurrected uh, and going on a absolute killing spree. This is a Night Stalker on a mission. He is like sprinting around wasting no time kissing no Montanas as he stabs Trevor and uh, it's really funny in these couple of moments the rest of the ghosts kind of form this like collective mob and two times they (laughs) tackle the Night Stalker and just like stab him and there's a bunch of overlapping like stab sound effects it's really funny Um, but eventually essentially Bobby gets away and Montana tells him to go to the Red Meadows Asylum to run and never come back, but to go to Red Meadows Asylum and find the medical director. You'll get all the answers you need. Ooh, foreshadowing. It doesn't last long for them to capitalize on that because, sure enough, the medical director is Donna. She's made quite a, a lot of strides in the world. She's made it all the way from... I guess derelict gorilla nurse, psychologist, freelance psychologist, uh, writing a book or dissertation, whatever she was doing, to medical director of Red Meadows Asylum. Good for him. Redwood Camp, Redwood Red Meadows Asylum. Mm, some lots of red things uh, named in this town. So they have a private meeting, and Donna reveals the truth about Mr. Jingles, that he didn't kill the campers in 1970, that it was all Margaret Booth. But she also gives us some more info as to what happened uh, to Margaret Booth on Halloween night in 1989. 
The Council of the Dead all had torches outside her cabin, which is really 80s, the way they all stand there with their torches. Very cool aesthetic. And uh, Donna gets the drop on her. What the fuck are you doing here? To kill you, you crazy bitch. She loses. She fails. Donna doesn't get to kill Margaret Booth. Uh, She gets knocked out and then wakes up just in time to see Brooke get shot in the stomach. So Brooke got a stab on Margaret Booth, but that's it. She got shot in the stomach and Donna thinks she died. So let's break it down here. Margaret Booth is sliced like a little bit in the arm by Donna with a knife, stabbed by Brooke, who's then shot, and then she's brought outside and her arms are sliced. Oh my God, this whole thing. This, like, ah, there's that, oh my God. So Eli Roth, I'm just going to go on a little tiny digression here. Does everybody know Eli Roth? Does anybody here not, not know Eli Roth? Raise your hand. Okay, I see a hand in the back there. Eli Roth is this director, horror director, writer who was famous for, uh, I guess most famously before uh, Hostel was Wrong Turn, but Hostel and Hostel 2 or Part 2 or whatever were uh, his big uh, uh, trade, uh, his big tent poles on the movie scene. And he kind of like... If Saw introduced the genre of torture porn, Eli Roth, like, put the final uh, period on it. Because he, he definitely bolded the word porn in that torture uh, nest. But, man, some of those movies. I saw a movie. I, didn't, I couldn't even finish it. <laughs> uh, listeners of the Gory Days, you might appreciate this. I tried watching a movie by Eli Roth called Green Inferno based on one of the only films that I know of to be, uh, like, the most banned worldwide. Uh, obviously not in America, but maybe in some states. I don't know. But, uh, like, federally, I don't think we ban any movies. I don't think we're a country like that. But uh, Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> Man, I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole here. I'll wrap up really quick. Cannibal Holocaust is a fake documentary, a mockumentary movie uh, that takes itself totally seriously to the point that people thought it was real, where a camera crew goes to a uh, tribe of cannibals and their lives are absolutely ruined and they're murdered and they're slaughtered and it's horrific. And Green Inferno is kind of like a allusion, homage to that, uh, like whole genre or that movie specifically. And there's one segment of it that's exactly like this, where somebody gets their arms cut off and then their legs cut off, and they're still alive and they're screaming bloody murder. So, God, I I thought of that in this scene, and I was, uh, I couldn't finish it. So it it was just it was so gratuitous so over the top and i usually love that kind of stuff but this wasn't body horror this wasn't like limbs growing where things shouldn't be or or uh i don't know it was body horror though it's just like slaughter just getting limbs cut off margaret booth gets her arms cut off by trevor her legs chopped off by chet and xavier and finally she's decapitated by margaret and all of her bits are thrown into the wood chipper Oh, Margaret Booth. I wanted her to die, but this... (laughs) I mean, man, she deserves a death as bad as the Night Stalker. So it's a shame that this happens the one time, and then she's pretty much, you know, left alone for 30 years, hiding and waiting to kill you. (laughs) It's just a stupid line. Um, But the lingering question is... Who sent the checks? Who was sending money to Bobby Richter all these years? 
Who, me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Then who? Who sent the checks to Bobby's house? Donna sent the checks to Bobby's house. No, it wasn't her. So eventually they, they find a routing number. It's, oh my god, I love this slide. The, the, the whole... They, they, the routing number led to one branch in Pineville, Oregon, where they are, where they have been, where they drove all the way there, <laughs> and how he commented how, oh, I could never live here. She has to lay out for us, the audience, that they're in Pineville, Oregon, where Brooke has moved. She's alive, and she's like 50-something, and she looks gorgeous, and there's a whole extended monologue dedicated to how she looks exactly the same, even though it's been 30 years. She's married a dermatologist. Enough said. <laughs> and so we learn what Donna sent the... Well, we learn that Ray saved Brooke, and that was like Ray's redeeming act. Uh, he patched her up, uh, kind of like he should have done with his Asian friend back in college and saved her. So he kind of gets redeemed in that way. That's how Brooke survived. She ran off, got shell shock, uh, PTSD, anytime she tried to contact uh, Donna again. So uh, she just lived her life out here, but constantly sending money to Bobby because she believed in leaving that Camp Redwood shit behind her. She, she knew... Mr. Jingles did it. He went off to Alaska, and he started a family, and it wasn't until he felt, like, compelled to come back to Camp Redwood for whatever reason. And so she sent him money to try to erase any reason for him to uh, be tied to it. But, of course, he came anyway. Uh, and so he's going back, even though even Donna is saying, like, ah, you're, you're crazy, but fine. So Bobby Richter goes back to Camp Redwood, and here we are. Almost, we're, we're almost to the end. He goes there, and uh, Margaret Booth is there, and she explains that she survived the wood chipper. Well, <laughs> the opposite of survived, that she died moments before getting thrown into the wood chipper. And so in my mind, I was like, oh, shit, does that mean she gets like resurrected with none of her limbs? Um, but no, she gets her whole body, and she says she's been hiding and waiting all this time. To kill you! And Mr. Jingles gets the drop on her and stabs her in the neck. And she's down. And only for a brief minute, for just like... This is the only moment Mr. Jingles and his son get like a reunion. And they hug. And he explains, oh, why did you come back? Or no. <laughs> uh, Jingles' son says, you did like the one thing a father should do. You sacrificed yourself for your child. And I, I just wanted to come back and say that to you or or thank you. Uh, I don't know. It, it feels really rushed. And uh, this whole thing feels rushed. I'll get to that in, in like my analysis and how I feel about it. We're, we're right here at the end. Margaret Booth stabs Jingles and he goes down and she starts chasing Bobby. <laughs> if the, I'm always the final girl. Uh, then Mrs. Jingles shows up. Margaret Booth gets her throat slit by Mrs. Jingles. Mrs. Jingles, of course, being Mr. Jingles' mother. I guess that's starting to sound weird. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Jingles. Um, but uh, the Council of the Dead, I guess, listens to Mrs. Jingles as they take away Margaret Booth. And then, geez, if we didn't feel rushed before, Montana just says... Tell our ghost stories to your children, and we'll live on forever. The 80s will never die. <sighs> and then Bobby runs to the uh, 
border of the, the front gates of Camp Redwood, and he looks behind him, and it's Mr. Jingles, and the mom, his grandmother, Mrs. Jingles, and little Bobby, his uncle, Uncle Little Bobby, his namesake, and they all wave goodbye to Bobby as he runs off, and that's the end of American Horror Story 1984. You know, the the story of, of uh, Bobby Richter. What a nice, cathartic ending this was for our main character, who we've been on so many adventures with this whole tv show bobby richter oh man the highs and lows remember that 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 long uh, period where we were getting to know bobby richter and his likes and, and and values jesus christ what the hell happened what the hell just happened what the hell happened to my show this this was not his story american horror story 1984 was not the bobby richter show it was this is such forced catharsis i don't like this i am going on record i i don't like the ending what the hell i thought there was going to be the the festival and there was going to be just like mass killings and all kinds of stuff why couldn't they have still done that you could have still done that and bobby could have still gone back Ugh, it's it's such a missed opportunity i don't know what's i don't know what happened i don't know what happened um so uh, I haven't done this. Uh, I haven't done uh, end status since I think like the third episode or whatever. So let's see. How does everyone end in this? Well, let's start with the the ghost to Camp Redwood exist for freaking ever on that plot of land just floating around forever except now they don't even have the joy of killing people. No one is coming up. It's been like at least 20 years or something since anyone's been up there. So they have no connection. They're in a void. They're stuck. They're literally stuck in the 80s living forever in the 80s uh, as ghosts. And so that's that's where they end up. As I mentioned, Brooke kind of got the best deal out of this. She's married to a dermatologist and has two beautiful kids and more than enough money that she can send it to some kid in Alaska without her husband thinking twice about it. I wonder, like, that situation, because it doesn't seem like Brooke works, or she doesn't seem independently wealthy herself, so she's skimming a little bit off the top and sending it away to this strange man somewhere else in Alaska. <laughs> this young 30-year-old, like, what? what is going on? Uh, let's see, Bobby is Bobby, and I guess he's going, I mean, his his purpose fulfilled, I guess he'll go... Back to Alaska, back to his cannery job, and just be super satisfied that he met his serial, his not serial killer dad, who who sacrificed himself. And uh, Mr. Jingles, Mommy Jingles, and Bobby uh, Senior live in Camp Redwood forever, but separate from all the other ghosts, they get their own little pocket dimension where everything's golden and there's ducks to feed galore. And uh, Donna is the medical director at um, uh, the asylum, so I guess things worked out for her, too. And maybe Brooke and her will have a a fun adult lady relationship. (laughs) But that's uh, how everyone ended there. Let's just get to my uh, questions. Uh, Mystery LLC is the segment where I ask questions. So so what? So they're all just going to exist at Camp Redwood, torturing the Night Stalker and Margaret Booth forever? The curse of my, of Mrs. Jingles is unbreakable. Her her vi- violent uh, love for her son is enough to keep souls here forever. There's up there. There's over forty souls here. They said, 
that's a lot of power to keep 40 souls from being able to pass on. I assume it's like a power differential. Like, uh, I don't know. But yeah, that's a, that's a that's a lingering question that I'll never have answered. I wouldn't have any of these questions answered. That's that's the the sad part about having questions on the final episode. Like <laughs> my big question of all, who was Margaret Booth's husband? Who was Margaret Booth's husband who gave her the the paycheck, the the money, the the capital to be able to do all of this crazy stuff? This whole festival went under even if they like uh recoup ticket sales like the the amount to pay the performers and stuff it, it would be nuts they weren't able to sell any concessions no one actually attended the thing <laughs> i have to imagine that was a huge loss who is margaret booth's husband after all of this who's her next of kin if she has any who gets all of her money oh that's another question uh since trevor's dead too i don't think uh who, who cares who saved Brooke? Another question that we won't have an answer to. Brooke, the well-known serial killer who was executed for her crimes of killing all those people at Camp Redwood back in 1984. <laughs> who called? Who saw that person's unconscious body and called 911 and thought they need to get to a hospital and they need to be okay? And then who received them at the hospital and treated the, her and uh, was like, okay, she can leave. <laughs> this is Brooke Thompson, the serial killer who was executed, but she can leave. Maybe she escaped. I don't know. She seems to be good at that in the past. All right. So finally, we can go to Screaming Themies, the segment where I can distill all of the themes that we've seen over this whole show into uh, three Three themes that I believe are uh, universal throughout all three, all uh, nine episodes. And I'm not going to bore you with examples from each, but the first one uh, from each episode. But the first theme is redemption, obviously. Sorry, I don't mean obviously for people who maybe didn't find it as obvious. Maybe you found other things obvious that I didn't find obvious and good for you. But in this case, the theme of redemption is outright stated a couple of times. Trevor says it about killing Margaret Booth, or rather stopping the event at least. Margaret, I mean, um, Montana says it about killing the Night Stalker. It's not explicitly said, but Ray is redeemed, in my opinion, for saving Brooke. And Brooke is redeemed, as I mentioned earlier, for saving Trevor in honor of Montana as a... Uh, like a forgiveness branch, uh, olive branch. There it is. <laughs> the forgiveness tree. Go get a branch from the forgiveness tree so I can whip you with it. <laughs> oh, the forgiveness switch. You don't want mama to tell you to go get a forgiveness switch. So there was the lingering question uh, that Donna set up last time after at last episode when she stopped Brooke from killing Stacy, the reporter, that if they could just kill Margaret Booth and do that one quote-unquote good deed, it would redeem them for all the other shit that they did and they wouldn't go to hell anymore. Um, I guess their own good deed redeemed them. I mean, like, trying to save Margaret Booth was good enough. I it's I don't know how Donna really redeemed herself in the, the final moments, I guess, because she opened the door for the ghosts because the ghosts wouldn't be able to get in and get her without her. I don't know. 
Uh, let's just assume Donna redeemed herself. If she, if if I'm crazy and tired and my throat's starting to hurt, uh, then let me know because maybe Donna did redeem herself and I just am totally blanking on it, even though I watched this episode twice in a row. And of course, Mr. Jingles just wanted to save his Bobby and find peace, and that redeemed him, frankly, when he killed himself, so two episodes ago. The next theme is revenge, the theme of revenge. Obviously, Donna and Brooke wanted to get revenge on Margaret Booth for all of the horror that they killed, and maybe there was an argument that uh, Brooke wanted to get revenge on Montana for putting her away and uh, concocting the, the, the horrible situation of the Night Stalker trying to kill her. But she forgives her for that, so I'm going to move Donna. I'm going to move Brooke out of the revenge column. But you could say the well, you you could say the ghosts have revenge over who once Mr. Jingles. Now they've all decided that Margaret Booth is the one to die. Uh, she she's the one that they need to focus all of their revenge energy on. And then uh, the Night Stalker wanting revenge on. I guess Bobby because he's the one that got away or he's like the last hanging Chad for the Night Stalker to take care of. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I guess that's like a form of revenge that that the Night that uh, Mr. Jingles took some kind of status away from the Night Stalker and he wants to enact that and equalize that balance that through revenge on his family. In total, other than just his wife, he wanted to finish the job. So, yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in revenge. But there you go, revenge. Revenge and redemption kind of go hand in hand. Uh, it seems like one needs to uh, imagine that they want vengeance before uh, the item of their revenge becomes redeemed. Or they themselves give up that idea of redemption and or of revenge in uh, honor of themselves being redeemed uh i think that makes sense and finally the family uh theme i've called it family matters but specifically for the richters this power that draws bobby from wherever from wherever he is in alaska all the way back to camp redwood that uh protects him that mrs jingles looks at him and sees that they're uh related without like really consulting uh mr jingles maybe they did uh in ghost form but she she just seems to know and she protects him from margaret booth uh family family is very important to the richters and to a lot of the characters in this show the ones that we at least get to see their families uh and the Richters are the fullest family we get. The dad isn't there, but they're all one big, happy, f- strange family. And uh, that seems to be like the final theme thread that the show wants to leave us with, despite, God, this that not being one of the major themes. Uh, I, I know I said it when I introduced this, but I'm going to go back and say that the family one is not prevalent in the first few episodes. Um yeah, I don't think it really comes into play until uh, Donna, because Donna's father we, we learn about before Mr. Jingles gets a chance to even make his family uh, or learn, introduce us to his uh, mom or uh, brother, who were only introduced to us in the last couple of episodes. So I guess we're supposed to care about them as much as, as though they were here for all nine episodes. Like, is this what TV shows are? You set up a character for five episodes and then you introduce a new one in the last three and that new one introduces a, a, another new one in the last, last one and it's all supposed to feel really good and emotional? God, no wonder I don't watch more live-action syndicated TV. 
Uh, let's move on to my favorite quote. <laughs> uh, my favorite quote. Uh, so the runner up was Margaret Booth saying to a uh, monstrously crippled, oh, just like uh, wounded, monstrously wounded uh, Trevor. I should have shot you when I found you rolling around with that truck stop Cindy Lopper. I thought it was kind of funny. There weren't that many funny quotes this episode. Um, except, uh, uh, I should have written that one down. But the uh, the one about Pictionary, uh, I guess we have one more round for Pictionary. But let's make it interesting. <laughs> I've never heard of somebody trying to make Pictionary interesting. But I guess if it starts not interesting, anything could be made interesting. Uh, and the winner, the winner for favorite quote this episode goes to uh, Courtney, undead Courtney, as they're, Jesus, as they're throwing chunks of Margaret Booth into the wood chipper. He says, is there a parade setting? Ah, <laughs> uh, he's so great. That's it. Now, kills, kills, kills is an interesting one because the Night Stalker is on here one, two, three, four, five times, and Margaret Booth is on here twice. Uh, of course, Courtney is the first one to die in this episode. He gets shot through the head by Margaret Booth, who is unamused with his antics at this point. Then the Night Stalker is stabbed a million times and has his throat slit by all of the ghosts in uh, Montana. And then, I mean, he's killed uh, maybe hundreds of thousands of times. It'd be cool to see the math on how long it takes for him to get resurrected, or at least close to resurrected, how long it takes them to kill him, and multiply that by the 30 years that it's been, how many times they've killed him, of which we really only get to see a chainsaw, and they like hobble him with a sledgehammer and then stab him in the head. Um, Bruce gets killed with a machete, <laughs> and then he gets kicked over the, a big hill by Trevor. The Night Stalker gets killed a couple more times. Trevor gets shot, of course, in the uh, leg, gut, and then dick, but survives. The Night Stalker's killed a couple more times by the mob, <laughs> who just like all mob him, essentially, and tackle him and stab him to death. Margaret Booth is turned into a torso and then decapitated. Mr. Jingles is stabbed in the back by Margaret Booth, and then Margaret Booth is stabbed again by Mr. Jingles in the throat. And then, oh, uh, I guess I had those mixed up, but whatever. Then Margaret Booth's killed again, slit her throat by uh, Mrs. Jingles. So that is a total of 11, no, 12, 12 kills for this episode. Probably the bloodiest episode. Definitely without Night Stalker uh, stab scene. Oh my God, so much blood, so much blood. Definitely like the most blood in the episode. More than uh, Margaret Booth as a torso, which is... God, Jesus, so horrific. The phantom limb. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, we've made it to the last segment of the last episode of American Horror Story, Theory Canal, my predictions. I don't, I obviously can't make any predictions for the future of this season because it's the last episode. It was the season finale. I can only uh, speak to if any of my past predictions were realized, actualized, or if they totally failed. Uh, I already addressed the previous one, so I'll just start with... Everyone Margaret Booth killed will have a shot at taking her down. I was right. I was right. Everyone that Margaret Booth killed essentially gets to uh, chop her up. Uh, Xavier, Trevor, uh, the rest. Oh, Chet, uh, Ray, 
Eh, Ray didn't get killed by uh, Margaret Booth, though. He was killed by Mr. Jingles. But still, everybody gets to take her down. I was right. I was right about that. <laughs> I was wrong, though. We never got to learn the identity of Margaret Booth's husband who left her all that money. And uh, Bobby's return didn't lift the curse. So that's it. No more themes or uh, no more theories. All I have are my theories for next season's theme. Uh, For those of you in the know, of which I am not, Brian Murphy hinted at the fact that last episode, the uh, whatever the previous episode was called, uh, contained a hint at whatever season 10's theme is going to be. And so it seems like the general consensus, and I am uh, f- want to agree, is cryptids. It's from what Cindy, the reporter slash uh, author from the National Enquirer, says that in the 70s, people loved uh, Bigfoot, aliens, Loch Ness Monster, all that uh, Spock in search of, Spock, Leonard Nimoy in search of bullshit is uh, what she says. And I'm pretty sure that's the clue that we're going to be, it's going to take place in the seventies and it's going to be somehow revolved around, uh, what I, I guess are called cryptids. I call them myths and like legends, like the Jersey devil or chupacabras, uh, the Mothman. Um, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but like they say, Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster and aliens, uh, these, I was actually super into them and I still am these, uh, essentially, like what the Batman would be in our real life. What what is this mystical uh, idea of a creature that shows up and uh, no one no one really has an idea of of uh, what they saw, and it mostly seems like a bunch of people having this kind of like collective uh, tulpa thing of oh we all believe in it. So uh, uh, I don't have to not belong anymore i believe in bigfoot and i'm a bigfoot believer just like flat earthers but it'd be really cool to see this uh made real in a season 10 and i guess that's it yeah it's been a it's been pretty great bringing you 100 episodes of american horror story i mean that was episode 100 a, a few uh weeks ago but no that's it this was a lot of fun I don't think I ever would have watched this season if not for uh, doing it on this podcast. And to those of you who join me every week, uh, I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Reach out to me on uh, Sp- uh, on Spotify. I mean, I guess you could reach out to Spotify. I probably won't get anything because I don't think you can contact artists on Spotify. But Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, or my website, thegorydays.com, at thegorydays on anything. That's so many ways for you to get in contact with me and let me know what you thought of this season of American Horror Story, your favorite character, your favorite death, uh, your least favorite death, what you think the next season is going to be about, uh, what you thought of my recaps and my segment titles, how funny you think they were, what you think the next show I should cover is, uh, and if you want to see more of my cat, on Instagram, (laughs) but I'd love to hear from all of you, because who knows what I'm going to be doing as far as TV shows, but I can tell you I'm I'm definitely going back to the old style, so movies and friends of the, in the uh, entertainment industry, up-and-comers, are definitely on my radar, but I can't wait until I find a new horror TV show to sink my teeth in, to dig into every week, and rip it apart from the inside, and feel the... Blood dripping down my mouth into my uh, 
claws as I rip and tear the flesh and sinews of another TV show in the future. <laughs> and until then, stay scary out there. Have a gory day.